FantasyFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, the movie Any Given Sunday is based on real life events. And I have the person who inspired Jamie Foxx's character here. The actual real life Steeman Willie Beeman is here. Uh, he goes by Billy, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 not quite the, the real one, right? Not quite. <laughs> I, I, I always just kind of assumed that you must have you, you probably always went by Willie Beeman until the movie came out and then. Changed it to Billy. It like it reminds me of Office Space when like his name's Michael Bolton and they're like, um, it, it, like he's he it, he hates when they bring up the singer Michael Bolton and they're like, well, so why don't you just go by Mike? And he's like, why should I change my name? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> you you easily could have taken that approach if you wanted, but uh, you you decided. <laughs> No, I, I decided to run with the uh, the theme for football, you know, just the Willie Beeman theme. But I yeah. actually never went by Willie. I, you have no idea. Like my football coaches in high school, I, if I go to pick up a drink somewhere, like if it's Starbucks, it's yeah. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, no, I've seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, trust I've me. seen the damn movie. Yes, <laughs> I've seen it. Trust me, my guy. It's so funny. Yeah, no, I get it all the time, but I do kind of love it. I grew up watching that movie. Like it's you know. It's it's really cool. It's it's a fun little thing to play with for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You look absolutely nothing like J- Jamie Foxx, <laughs> by the way. Like they really took some liberties with that character. Yeah, man, they did. They did. But you know, a little bit better looking than me, probably. So it's all right. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, man. Like the, for okay. the, like for this industry, you're like you're you're definitely <laughs> like elite level. Uh, <laughs> so. I don't even know what to do with this. We're off the rails immediately. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. I really do. Like, I, I love hearing it. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, just trying to make you comfortable before we get uncomfortable with the QBX talk. So, you're really warming me up. You're really warming me up. I, I get it. Exactly. I, get it. <laughs> I this is this is how I get people to come back on the show for a second trip at some point. Like. It, be nice to them the first, you know, the first time or two. And then when they come mm-hmm. back and, you know, they get comfortable, they come back and then you, and then you, you know, you, you whip them like a dog, like I do to Peter Howard. So I was about to say, just crush my <laughs> dreams. Just, just take all my strategies, step on them. Yeah. No, I know that. I know where it's heading. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to try my best not to, since it's your maiden episode here, but, uh, please, like, please do your worst. Come on. It's very possible. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes though. So let's see. Uh, let's see. Dynasty underdog, the podcast, um, yep. you and, uh, Uriah and Josh, and then um, Dynasty Football Factory, which little known fact, that's where I got my start as well. So, <laughs> and uh, and like eighty percent of the rest of the industry, it feels like right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're you're hanging in there and uh, doing good things for them, and and growing right along with it. And uh, yeah, um, yep. a lot more loyalty than the rest of us apparently had. <laughs> Yeah, you noticed. I'm glad somebody noticed. Yeah, no, I, it's 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 fun. It's like, yeah, again, it's where I got my start. Um, been able to like build there a lot and and kind of improve the site a lot 
especially in the last year or so. Um, we're doing a lot of really good things behind the scenes. Built, I built out like the whole Discord and stuff. So nice. we're we're doing a lot of a lot of big things, trying to trying to bring more people in. So it's it's been fun, and it's just kind of a project for me that I'm I'm just you know, continuing to work on, and and I get to put my content out there. Building the the YouTube page has been fun. I kind of shifted from writing to like video content, and yeah, so it's it's yeah. good time. You know. The video stuff, that's where it's at. What what kind of what's been your focus so far on on YouTube? Sure. Yeah. I mean, having rookie season here is massive, obviously. And for, and for me, I have like a pretty serious process I go through in terms of evaluating the rookies. And, you know, it may be like just a little edge I'm gaining, obviously, but those are kind of the edges that <laughs> that you're looking for in fantasy. Sure. So, so, you know, I spend a lot of time um, doing film reviews and and kind of really, you know, taking notes, grading them out, uh, Time, you know, time stamping so I can go back and I can create videos. And so I did a lot of that for the YouTube page where I, I did film, film, like film room stuff, right. Where I was just kind of giving my evaluation, um, kind of just my voiceover while going through the tape. Uh, so a lot of the stuff I've been doing was on that. And then now that we're past rookie season, getting into a lot of strategy stuff. Like I did, um, I did a, what was it? A startup strategy video that mm -hmm. that was like really fun to do i went over a couple of the startups i've gone through so just I, you know getting into all, all the dynasty stuff everything i i really can think of <laughs> nice nice that's why you're here by the way so we can talk strategy because that's what we do around here but uh they like listening to talk about rookies i don't like talking about rookies so <laughs> having somebody who's yeah. done evaluation and actually you know gave a shit uh, probably is, is a nice treat for my super friends. So, um, before we get into, to just strategy, tell me, or, or do you, first of all, were there any rookies who you evaluated, you were super high on, and then they got drafted, whether it's, you know, draft capital or, or landing spot to where you just kind of backed off of them? Hmm. This year that I've actually like really backed off of. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I probably would have been a little higher on like a Zay Flowers if he went somewhere that, you know, was a little, had a little more pass volume or just a little bit more receiver friendly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, I just, I don't think I was super in on a lot of the guys that that went to bad landing spots. I guess like I, I was in on guys like Charlie Jones as like you know late round guys and stuff like that. And I think Bengals is a great landing spot for a guy like Charlie Jones to, you know, yeah. carve out a role for himself. Um, if anybody, it'd probably be like an Evan Hole or and these are these are again not like early round guys, right? But they're guys right. who I think could have maybe had larger roles if they weren't behind like Jonathan Taylor <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Like Jalen Hyatt is kind of an example of this, but it feels like anyone who really watched his tape, you know, like leading up to the draft was really kind of out on him anyways. And then he got, you know, horrible draft capital to man landing spot and you know now it's just kind of it's it, it it was a pretty easy one to just be like yeah i i i was on that all along <laughs> had that one freaking pegged um, yeah yeah no i get that one um i now that i'm thinking about it, i think parker washington is probably the one that did it landing in jacksonville not a bad landing spot just like i think six round draft capital just the whole thing kind of fell apart with his profile and it kind of kind of sucks because i really like parker washington i just don't see how he can 
get anything that we want him to get. Um, right. like he's the definition of a sleeper. If you, if you like his talent and I do, but yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. that one I had to back off and really not draft much of him. Yeah, definitely. What about, uh, some guys that um besides him that you're that you're kind of like man how is no one talking about him um and and maybe some guys that you're like i don't it, people are high okay. on him and i don't get it uh chase brown's one i think that qualifies as a guy that just doesn't get talked about too much mm-hmm. running back for the Bengals again actually uh, just a guy who i was much higher on pre-draft just from a film perspective in general i really liked just the way he moves on the field. I thought, I think he's a very dynamic player, uh, kind of a dual threat guy. I think he also exhibited some decent vision. So just a guy who I thought was a little underrated, goes to a good landing spot, still isn't really talked about. He's what beginning of the third round pick at best. And I think like, that's great for a guy who has the opportunity like him with, you know, questions about Joe Mixon and then nobody else really there. Yeah. I love that one. I, yeah. I mean, (laughs) Who else would it be? You know, Chris Evans, uh, Travion Williams, I guess. Like those are those are kind of the guys who would potentially challenge him. And Chase Brown seems to be the most complete back they have. It's like him and a bunch mm-hmm. of scat backs, basically. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, we're we're kind of still waiting for Joe Mixon to, uh, uh, you know, for some news there. But man, it it's starting to. Like it's felt all along, like this is just kind of a, it's a matter of time before they just empty that backfield with it. Absolutely. No, I I agree. Something's got to give there uh, eventually. And even if it doesn't, to be honest, I still like Chase Brown because we saw, uh, who am I thinking of that's in Denver right now? Um, Samaj P. Ryan. Ryan. he, He had standalone value anyway. And I think that truthfully, I think Chase Brown sooner or later and probably sooner rather than later is going to take that same role and that's a Mm -hmm. pretty valuable role right to answer your other question a guy who i'm just like i don't get it and i never have and it it's not just because like landing spot but rasheed rice Mm. i just i was never a fan of him and i know that there's some some other film junkies out there like like brandon lejeune was a big rasheed rice guy i think and and respect his work a ton uh debbie deep dive i think on twitter um but I just never understood. I just didn't really like it. I didn't think he was a, a great separator. I didn't, I don't think he's a great route runner. There's just a lot about his game. I don't like, and he's getting ballooned by the landing spot really. And that's just increased him up to, or pushed him up to what the early second round. And there's just a lot of other players I'd rather have in that area. Yeah. The one thing that, that does make him a little interesting. I mean, if you want to call it that, like for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, interesting is the fact that no one there is, you know, particular like necessarily sets himself apart in that entire offense. Like all these guys linked to Pat Mahomes, but none of them are. There isn't an alpha there anymore without Tyree Kill. It's just it could be any one of these guys. Like something's gonna work, you know. Some somebody sure. is going to be. You know, besides Kelsey, of course, somebody's going to be a top target for the best quarterback in the league. It's just who is it? But man, like, we, Travis Kelsey. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we played that game for how many years with Tom Brady as well? It was like, sure. you know, there's got to be there's got to be someone who rises above, and it ended up it was just Gronk. It was always just Gronk. So, um, 
But speaking of that, here's a here's a guy who like I was totally off of. So I I loved until uh you know this horrible uh 2022 college season um backed off of him just because of you know kind of character issues and uh, uh I don't know just seemed to regress talent wise as well but then I freaking love the landing spot and I happen to know that you're going to like this one Keishon Booty <laughs> Bo- booty okay. booty whatever yeah okay. like i think that feels better right booty feels better so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he has to earn the booty like he's got to earn that back um <laughs> but yeah like i mean if there was if there's a landing spot where he can succeed it's it's with your patriots i would think yeah uh, i'm a pessimistic patriots fan unfortunately oh, okay. and and i wasn't a big uh Keishon booty guy i think yeah. a lot of it had to do with the injury probably because he just didn't look like the same player the year after that. And, and maybe I'm just hung up on that and, and maybe he is going to, you know, kind of get back into some of that form going into, you know, his rookie season with the Patriots. He has all the opportunity in the world. Listen, there's, there's no good wide receivers there. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is is good, but there's nobody outside of that. He could certainly carve out a role. I hope he does as a Patriots fan, but I'm, I'm definitely I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic. Let's put, let's put yeah. it that way. I'm kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I think you could do worse in the fourth round, which is probably where you're going to get. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> it's just it, more upside than most guys in that range, I would think. But yeah, like it's far from a slam dunk. Let's, all right, let's talk strategy. That's enough. That's enough. Uh, <laughs> enough like, rookies. I can't, like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Getting all twitchy over here. <laughs> rookies. Okay. <laughs> so strategy. And so part of it is, I, I know that uh, you've been talking a little bit about quarterback extreme on uh, dynasty underdog. And, and I, I mean, I know that, like it's it. It sounds like that particular strategy is intriguing to you, but maybe like a bridge too far. How would you amend it to to better fit your style and your strategy? Oh, I like this uh, because, and honestly, I think I have a better answer because I I listened to the episode with uh, Tommy Blair. Yeah. And, and I think that's what I would like to do better or what I would like uh, to do with it to make it better, I think, is to go for more high-end quarterbacks in that strategy because hmm. I think the way that I've approached it in the past when I had when we, you know, when I have done it, we talked a little bit about on, on the episode about how we did it in a Debbie league. And it did end up working out. You have to have some patience for sure to to kind of be able to move these guys and whatnot. But I think hmm. for me, I'm always trying to build it sounds sounds super simple i'm always trying to build a roster that is basically just full of studs right so i don't really have to think twice about it and it's just like a a you know point scoring machine um so when i heard him talk about it that way i'm like yeah this solves my problem because i don't need to be patient in terms of maybe i need to get rid of two or three of these guys because they didn't work out so i need to kind of you know finesse it get rid of them early whatever it is it kind of takes care of that issue where it's like let me just get three four five of the top, you know, eight QBs or whatever. And he may have taken it to a more extreme, but something like that would make me feel, I think a lot better about QBX where it's just, I see, I see where I've seen where you can choose the wrong QBs and it can go kind of South on you, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, that's that's part of the reason for QBX is just the fact that we're not we're not always great at this, you know. We uh, like yeah. we we see guys bust all the time, you know, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. It was like what are the odds that we lose both the Zach Wilson? But, you know, the problem is for a lot of people they're only drafting, you know, and and maybe they get two high end quarterbacks and then and then a backup, but you know you you lose any one of those guys, and now all of a sudden it's desperation time. And where where are you finding a quarterback somewhere? So you know, kind of the the part of the reason for it was always. I mean, a, a, a big part of this was it's it's something that you can realistically do in a single draft and you know you don't have to count on being able to trade and um because sometimes it just doesn't work you know some there are some leagues where it's just like man i cannot break anything loose everybody's just i maybe they're hibernating maybe they're just they're just tight with their players but man you just cannot you know break some of these players loose and so it's kind of like how do we how do we you know, without assuming that some trades are going to happen, how do we just draft into a, uh, you know, a realistic roster build, but then also kind of give ourselves a chance to, you know, to, to fill in some voids if we do lose some of those guys. So um, it's, it's definitely, you know, it, it, like it's, it is hedging a little bit just on the fact that you are going to lose some of these guys sooner rather than later. It's just it's nice to not have to scramble for quarterbacks when that happens. We you know whoever it is that busts and and you kind of lose them as a starter. You know Jimmy Garoppolo seems like kind of the most obvious candidate right now. To uh, you know, I mean, there's a chance that he doesn't even make it to camp. You know, <laughs> like they're <laughs> yeah. now I, they're talking. That's what about, they want you to believe that's for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which, which, I mean, I think they would have had a little bit better insurance policy um, than, you know, hoping that the the minority owner comes out of retirement <laughs> to quarterback the team that he owns. Like, Super realistic. It's a cool story, but yeah. Oh, please don't let it happen. I, I can't take any more of it as a Patriots fan. I'm, I'm, I'm done, please. <laughs> no more. <laughs> it is a Broncos fan. The last thing I want to see is Tom Brady twice a year. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there there is a non-zero chance that we lose Jimmy Garoppolo because he can't pass a physical, and he ends up getting cut. I mean, there were a lot of people who took Jimmy Garoppolo as their third quarterback, you know, in startups this mm-hmm. this spring, and so you know, it, Hi, like me. Did you? Yeah. For <laughs> is, sure. For sure. Is, is your third quarterback or is more like a fifth quarterback for you? No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I really, I don't, I don't play that way to be honest with you. Um, okay. I, I just not as not, I typically don't play that way just because a lot of the leagues I'm in, I mean, to acquire those quarterbacks in general, a lot of quarterbacks, I mean, they're going so fast now. I mean, yeah. the entire first round, you know, it's all super flex leagues. They're going, entire first round's quarterback. I mean, most of the second round is going to be quarterbacks, you know? So yep. <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm just, I'm really not willing, I think to give up so much value. 
and and go for you know the Derek Cars, even though obviously he he does have years left and there's value in that and totally like that strategy is worthwhile. I, I guess I've just been more there's risk in in any kind of strategy you play with with fantasy, obviously, and I've been I think a little bit more willing to make sure that I have a top tier quarterback at least one of those. If I can, I want to get two. But I think I've seen some opportunities to go ahead and get like Russell Wilson in the end of the fifth, sixth round. And, and you know, there's varying opinions on Russell Wilson, obviously. <laughs> and there's but there's other quarterbacks, I think, in this range, a couple of them for sure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I think, even applies in, in kind of this area of of guys going late who have like immense upside. Mm hmm. And you can kind of fill in two to three quarterbacks that way and feel comfortable, like really comfortable with, okay, I have a stable couple at the top barring injury, obviously, which is always a risk. And um, so obviously like my teams are going to be hurt a little bit more if, 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 you know, Tua gets an injury, let's say on one of my teams, I, I may only have one backup in that case, but I do try to construct my teams with enough points from the other positions that it's going to kind of backfill if that happens. Um, which obviously, you know, it's kind of easy to say that, but that is kind of my strategy. I try to do my best to, to, to construct my rosters that way. Yeah. So in a startup is, is, do you have like a, a roster build in mind or are you really just honestly going value-based? Yeah, this is, this is really interesting because I think, you know, it, it depends a lot on like, where you're drafting from, like the position, whether it's, you know, first, sixth, 12th, whatever, like sure. there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I've more and more realized that I think over the past year or two. And and one of the reasons is, is I've done a lot of Kentucky Derby style uh, startups where, you know, you, you do a randomized order or whatever, and then everybody picks their, their draft positions. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this because I've ended up getting at the back end of the draft almost every time, like 11, 12 spot in the past, <laughs> like probably four or five startups. Right. And, and, uh, and the reason is, oh, but you're doing that on purpose though. You're, you're picking that. Okay. And okay. the reason is because generally one and two have been picked already. Like if I can get one or two, I'd prefer that, but I want something at a turn. And this yeah. is kind of getting into part of the strategy that I've been playing with is I think I've found a lot of value in, in being able to select two players at the same time, especially as the draft goes on, because it's this thing. It's kind of like this, this thing I've been playing with like proximity paradox where you'll end up finding guys who fall, they're valuable and they fall and you're able to hit on a couple at the same time. Whereas, you know, if you have a pick six and you have to wait, you know, however many picks in between your next pick, you might not be able to get two of these guys you think are super valuable. So I, I've, I, that's just one part of it. But when I go into most of these drafts, um, especially the past couple of years with the dynasty landscape, with how the running back position is kind of laid out. I will go hero or zero running back as much as I can. I really don't want to get kind of, I don't want to be holding the bag on these aging, these aging running backs and not be able to get any value from them. So mm -hmm. I've kind and and recent startups, I've really felt good about it where I've gotten Aaron Jones and James Connor in the double digit rounds. So as, as my starting running backs on teams where just the, the wide receivers are absolutely incredible and, and the rest of the roster is really good. So that's kind of my general approach to it, especially at the back end of the draft where you're not going to see most of those top end running backs fall to you. I'll, you only want a couple of those anyway. So um, yeah, my main approach is kind of a hero zero running back. I want to get one or like I said, one or two 
top quarterbacks and I'm slamming wide receiver and pretty much Mark Andrews in every draft. <laughs> if I can, okay. that's my guy. Mark. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, like how many wide receivers are we talking? Like I just said, like I literally had a draft where I didn't pick a running back until the 10th round and it was Aaron Jones. Um, so yeah. I picked Mark Andrews and I think then it was like eight wide receivers. Maybe I picked another tight end in there, maybe one other tight end like later in there, but yeah. it'll, it'll be a, like a, a, a lot of, of wide receivers. And if I'm just thinking about one of the rosters, I mean, some of those later wide receivers are like Calvin Ridley, Deontay Johnson. Um, and those are going in like the seventh, eighth round, right? Like mm-hmm. where I, I, I think that's incredible value. Those guys have amazing upside. One's a target hog. One we've seen be in the top 10. So, I mean, those are the kind of things I'm looking for. I'm not just drafting wide receivers or draft wide receivers. I don't have a wide receiver fetish necessarily. Mm-hmm. I see the current dynasty landscape as there's a couple of positions that are in transition periods, meaning, you know, we're seeing incoming rookies trying to take over for the the aging stalwarts and i think running back is one of the biggest ones that's in that and i know for a fact you're going to get some points from these guys or in in 2023 but man they're going to fall off a cliff after that and you're not going to get anything for them and i don't want to hold on to dalvin cook Derek. like i don't want to do that if i don't have to even though they are going to score tons of points likely this year more like the Derek henry kind but um i'm just trying to avoid that scenario for myself going forward i don't want to create that work for myself going forward i want to create a roster that's going to kind of live longer if that makes sense yeah definitely so one of the things that you talked about on on the podcast as well that i thought so first of all i mean this is something that i kind of had a little bit of a working thesis on um and but like haven't really verbalized it and then heard you uh, get into this, uh, you know, actually talk about it on the podcast a, a little bit. And I wonder if you have, um, you know, some kind of analysis, some words of wisdom on this, but, um, you know, you were kind of talking about trading in the startup and how it's, it's, it ends up being kind of not a great <laughs> return most of the time. Like, you know, if you want to trade up into the first round, this is this is what this is your words. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna paraphrase here, but you know, trading up into the first round to get another elite quarterback, that's one thing. Like it's hard to it's hard to beat uh, you know, kind of regardless of what the quote unquote value is on that, you end up, you know, it, it ends up being a little bit of a win. Um yes. but beyond that. And it, like I said, I, for me, it's just a theory, but you might have some a little bit more um, insight into this and uh, have put it a little bit more thought into this and can make a little bit more of a declaration on it. It feels like it's, it's kind of negative EV to be trading kind of really in either direction <laughs> in a startup, certainly moving up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I definitely haven't done like the, the number by the numbers research on that at all, but it, I mean, just anecdotally, you know, going through the drafts, especially the ones I've, I've been through recently because they're, they're right on my mind, but I watched a lot of people in, in a recent one where I, there was one where I made a, a, a few moves and I didn't give up any future picks and I don't like giving up future picks. That's what I was talking about in the pod, but mm-hmm. the other one, everybody was moving around and I'm like, I'm just going to sit here right now, first of all, because everybody's giving up crazy value. 
And I was watching them give up 24 picks like they were nothing. And I'm like, but you don't even know what your roster is going to be like. Like they were doing this in like, you know, the third, fourth round, just like trying to move up from like, oh, you know, just like moving later picks plus a 24 first and some swap. And I'm like, I, you know, so it, what, what ended up happening? Somebody, <laughs> some, I, I short circuited, you know, so somebody offered me, uh, you know, X pick for my 24 first. And I said, no, the draft concludes and my team is a contender and it's pretty deep starting lineups. And I'm like, yeah, like one more piece probably like really fits into this team. You know, we'll really settle this team down. Um, and I wasn't out looking for anything, but then somebody offers me Cooper cup for my 24 first. And I was like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And cause I think my first is going to be fairly late, you know, anything can happen, but it's definitely going to be back half. And I was like, and then the person said to me, yeah, I basically offer you the same thing during the draft, but you didn't take it. And I was like, yeah, because like, I don't know what my team like, and I could, maybe I didn't pick Cooper cup. Maybe I would have picked some other player that, you know, isn't as valuable. And I reached on a guy because I like him or whatever it is. You end up making decisions that, that just may not fit your team may not be best for your team. They're mm -hmm. generally going to be decisions that aren't as well thought out because you're in a draft, mm -hmm. you're making it on a clock, you know, just, there's a lot of factors that go into it that just kind of logically you think to yourself, you're like, I can just wait and go get this, go get the player that I actually want instead of kind of just taking a shot in the dark here uh, and, and losing value. I, I can't stand giving up future picks in a startup draft because I just don't think you really need to. Um, right. I just don't think you need to. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. It, but it's also just like just kind of in general moving those, you know, moving around in the startup draft because, um, you know, it, like it also just kind of influences your next set of, of moves and you just kind of you just yeah. end up, you know, like you end up kind of spiraling out of control a little bit. It, like It's fun. It's fun to, to, you know, to trade picks and to move around the board and feel like you're kind of manipulating the board, but you move back and then, you know, you're waiting like 20 some picks for your next, <laughs> for your next one. And sometimes even more than that, sometimes 30 or 40, cause you, you know, you traded both picks at a turn or something like that. And you're just watching guys flying off the board and you're just like, man, I got to get back in this. And then you're trying to trade <laughs> back up and it's like all, whatever progress you made in that first trade, you just kind of gave it up to move back up and, and, you know, and rescue some of these guys. And then conversely you move up and then you find out that like you're, you're kind of right in the middle of a freaking tier that, you know, you probably would have got the exact same guy if you had stayed put. And then not only that, but I mean, you kind of gave up some, some, uh, some value and some, um, you know, some very usable picks a little bit later in the draft in order to, to get up there. So like, it just, like I said, I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about it. It sounds like you kind of have, um, but this is something that I've just been, kind of kicking around for a while anyways and then hearing you say it on the podcast i was like man we need to we need to really dig into this 
um, we need to start looking at this a little bit better. And by we, I don't just mean the, the two of us. I think Absolutely. that like, <laughs> like this is the type of thing that, that just in general, dynasty players need to be really aware of the fact that, yes, it's fun to do it. It's, it's part of the game, you know, uh, but it, is it really the best thing strategically? I, I kind of feel like it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a trap, a little bit of a minefield that, that, uh, people need to, to somehow have the discipline to avoid. That's, that's kind of the, the working theory. I don't know. We're going to, yeah. we're going to, you know, we'll look more at it, but, um, <laughs> And and you know I'll bring on some some big time numbers butts to uh, to yeah, get Peter Howard on here to tell you exactly exactly what, yeah what the math is on this right <laughs> yeah exactly he's already building a spreadsheet to that basically says that I'm an idiot even if he <laughs> agrees with me on this like that's still what he's gonna do I need Absolutely. to. I end up talking shit about Peter every week. I need to just bring him on here and see <laughs> see what happens. Like he's got the longest list of stuff to that he's got against me at this point. So we need it's to. It's gonna just... be an epic. It's gonna be an epic battle when you get him on here. It <laughs> yeah. absolutely is. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I know it's gonna be like an intervention for him. He's just gonna like pull out this this piece of paper like, like notebook paper like folded into four and like open it up and just start reading to me like john i it it really it negatively affects me when you say and then just like <laughs> that lamar jackson sucks the tight ends are fluky the whatever else he's uh, definitely the wide receiver stuff and i'm sure he's gonna have a problem with me saying don't trade in the startups but we'll we'll, we'll see We'll see what he I mean, says. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're saying like, don't trade full stop, but I think it's, it's having a lot of discipline with it. Like, mm-hmm. again, you know, trading up into the first is one thing and getting like another top end quarterback. I've actually, there's somebody in the dynasty underdog discord that does it in every single startup, every single startup, he swaps like third and a fifth with a guy and somehow, you know, trades like a 24 second or first and gets himself up into the first, mm-hmm. to, you know, a second time and gets two, top tier quarterbacks every single time. And it's, it's a great strategy that I think is a really, really good strategy outside of that. I, I really don't want to move around. I had, um, I had Andrew Cooper on dynasty underdog once, and we were talking a lot and he, I'm sure this term is used all over the place, but it, it really like, it really hit me as far as like how I play dynasty. He's, he said, you know, I'm a value Hawk. And I was like, yeah, that, that is exactly what I am. And, kind of what we were saying, you know, not having to move around usually, a, you know, in a tier of players, somebody will fall to you. That's one of the things I find the most is I'm real like, and I think I, this isn't like something that is really hard to do, but I think I'm good at doing this in drafts is sitting there being patient and picking the right player. The, the and, and that like picking the most, you know, valuable, sustainable, stable kind you know, player, yeah. And not reaching, not reaching for a guy because he's a rookie because I like him. Whatever it is, I kind of try to leave all my bias out and and really be a value hawk. And I th- and it it works most of the time. Um, I just think a lot of people kind of overthink it, think they need to move up for a guy, and and oftentimes you don't need to. Yeah. So it, it, I it just had swags on last yep. week, and and <laughs> you know he he definitely has some 
very specific thoughts on the concept of value. Tommy Blair does as well, and I didn't really get to get into it nearly as much as I'd like to with him. But um, both of them have me thinking a lot about this. I don't, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with either of them, but uh, <laughs> it definitely, <laughs> it, it's, it's thought provoking. So, which sure. you know, that's that's really kind of what we're looking for on the Superflex Super Show. The stuff that can uh, get us thinking and ultimately you know, kind of, uh, um, influence and refine our processes. So, you know, talking about value and value-based drafting just kind of begs the question. I mean, first of all, like what, what type of value are, are you looking for? Are you looking for mm-hmm. startup value? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for tr- like long-term trade value? Yeah. Are you looking for production or is yeah, there just- something else entirely? Yeah, this is a great question. I think it's some combination or somewhere in between some of the things you said, but I think (laughs) I have a good way to kind of describe it, at least in in the way I approach it. So in terms of like, I I, I view it in terms of my values Mm -hmm. versus a market value, right? And obviously there's a lot of different places you can get market value from for sure. Uh, ADP is definitely one of those. I think ADP is a good thing to look at and see like, like Deontay Johnson is just a great example of, of this. I, I've probably said his name too many times already, but he's just a good example of a guy who just by ADP alone, he's like way far down there past players. And I, like I can go in and just pinpoint him out and be like, okay, that's a guy who I'm just going to target it in that range. And, you know, I'll be at the back end of whatever round it is and he'll be there for sure. And he almost inevitably is every time. Um, so like, that's just, you know, that's one portion of it. Also, you know, you can looking at, keep trade cut. And these are similar things. Obviously it's similar to ADP, but um, I'm really like, I have a very specific evaluation in my head for, for players. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, obviously ADP is, is really, I mean, Peter will tell you this ADP is on point, you know, like if you follow ADP, you're going to have a pretty good team. Right. But obviously the edges are where you can pick out the guys who are probably either too high or too low in ADP. And so I think that that's kind of how I approach it really is, is trying to pinpoint guys who are higher or lower than I think they should be really try to take advantage of those. I'll call them market inefficiencies and, um, and just hit on the players who I think are at value in those drafts who are at, you know, and when you say at value, who obviously value is a nebulous term, but who are, you know, within a range where I think their points and, and, longevity meet up and, and, you know, uh, and that's where you select them. So um, I, I, I think it, I don't know. I think it's sometimes, again, it's one of those things we overthink a little bit. Like I think it can be easier um, than we make it out to be. Yeah. What about Scott Fishbowl where value doesn't really Mm. exist? How's, (laughs) how's that going to look? And, and you can, you don't have to get into specific names if you don't want to. Um, I would love to talk names with you if, if you're up for it, but we also, you know, kind of the, the, the cost of podcasting and, you know, being, you know, being in the public eye with our, with our player values and our player evaluations Mm -hmm. is uh, like, I'm going to get sniped so many MFing times in the sky. Like it happens every year. There's at least one person who listens to the super flex super show (laughs) And just sits there picking off every single one of my players 
and All there's the nothing, <laughs> it, it's certainly the quarterbacks <laughs> for the longest time. Yeah. I could not get Aaron Rodgers in a Scott fishbowl <laughs> draft. Like I had to actually like go out of my way to get 1.01. And, uh, and so I could take Aaron Rodgers there and then hear everybody saying, Oh, Hogue took Aaron Rodgers in the, with one one Like that's how ridiculous he is. And it's like, it's it's not that like I, I get it. I get it. OK, like, yeah, like that's not the ideal pick there, but that's the only way I'm going to end up with that guy. So that, I can't trade. I can't trade up. So, uh, you know, you, I can't. Have, you have you have loyal <laughs> listeners, man. You really do. They they really believe in you. I feel like on Twitter, like nobody <laughs> believes anybody, man. You can you, listen. You can say whatever you want on here and half the people will just be like, no, nah, I don't I don't agree with that. That's absolutely yeah. nonsense. So. Um, no, you're absolutely that's right. A, that's a, sorry to, to interrupt, no, but no, that's the thing. Like that, Twitter is going to make you feel like you're an absolute idiot, but I guarantee you <laughs> that the listeners who to, to dynasty underdog who aren't showing up on Twitter, they're just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out, like taking notes. Like those, those players are out there. They're listening to what you say and they're kicking ass as a result, I promise you that they're just not going to be the ones to tell you. It's no, ones you're a hundred percent right. Which is crazy because we we have a Discord for Dynasty Underdog, and we actually have three three listener leagues now, and they are some of the most difficult leagues to maneuver in for me because they they all know my stuff, they all know what I want to do, and it's actually it's a great it's a really fun challenge because like you know you got to really really like struggle to get what you want and kind of finesse people um so yeah. it's, it's a really good time but they're none of them are on twitter and they're all right. really really like solid dynasty players so i think you're 100 right about that <laughs> yep yeah twitter isn't twitter isn't for the fantasy champions twitter <laughs> yeah. is twitter is for seventh through 12th place and uh, but like they they love to tell you how how great they are at it how smart they are at it but uh, yeah, it's a it's a bunch of people who haven't experienced a whole lot of winning, and that's why they're so freaking bitter. We just figured this out, like <laughs> finally. Like I've been talking about how much I hate Twitter. We finally just kind of come to like, here's, <laughs> yeah, like this is why. It's because it's all the uh, it's just a bunch of people who I have been kicking their ass for years in all of our leagues and beating them with QBX. And then they get pissed off and create a burner account and tell me how stupid I am. So whatever. But you just, you said earlier that you won a league with the quarterback extreme strategy. And I am just like, there's, there's nothing else you could tell me about QBX that is going to be, that's going to be compelling to me anymore. All I'm, I just, just, want to put it on blast just just in stereo we can end it right here right (laughs) i think we're done i almost did i we almost ended five minutes in when you first said that i was like see (laughs) qbx works he won a championship with it stay sexy super flexy (laughs) but but i i figured we would go ahead and still do an entire podcast but uh yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so. If we, if we have to. Oh, so you asked me about Scott Fish and like yes, where like no value happens. So, or we're just like there's no values and just anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I kind of I kind of just stick to the same like the same. Really, what I stick to in that is I find that a lot of Scott Fishball drafts that I've done, 
just like wild picks occur like stuff and like you said because there's no real values people just go you know balls to the wall and i'm like i'm just gonna draft like a normal kind of draft keeping in <laughs> mind that obviously the quarterbacks the quarterbacks but w- the quarterback scoring is completely different you have to account for that which by the way i think is the actual fix to like quarterbacks in fantasy in general but like everybody hates change so it's not gonna happen for like another 10 years but right. <laughs> but anyway um yeah so like with that like obviously i keep the quarterbacks in mind i draft those really early i try to pick i pick from the 102 almost every scott fishbowl i'm doing it again this year nice. i like picking at the turn again and i think it's highly necessary to get a top quarterback uh top like three quarterback if you can so that allows you to get you know one of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or, you know, Jalen Hurts, whatever you think is going to, whatever your flavor is this year. So, yeah. And again, like I just, throughout the draft, like last year I was saying this, but like (laughs) I was number one in Scott Fishbowl for like a a number of weeks until Brees Hall went down. But the strategy was like, don't reach on too many guys. Brees Hall fell way too late. I don't know why. And just, there was a ton of value. So I just took it everywhere it came in and it it ended up being, if no, if nobody got injured, it would have or if Brees Hall didn't get injured, I probably would have stayed pretty high up there. So, um, yeah, I just, I try to try to just, you know, stay water, but like stick to my values and, uh, and not overthink it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you have some names that you're willing to share? And again, if you want, if you want to hide it, players that I, I'm going to, that I go after. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. for, For sure. For sure. I mean, Again, like yeah, I'm picking one or two, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I'll absolutely go after a Josh Allen. Um, if Pat, if you know Pat Mahomes goes, that's great. But I want to get Mark Andrews on my team if I can anytime. Like I just, especially this year. But you know, last year was injury riddled. But he's just he's incredible. He's a top. He's the top tight end, if not you know second because of Kelsey um, every year. And this year is a great year to go get him. So those are definitely guys I want in in Scott Fish, especially with the the scoring. Um, and then obviously like I've been talking about Russell Wilson, I think he's going to be, I think these are guys who can have bounce back years. who can be, who have proven before they're very efficient, who kind of work with the settings, you know, like these are guys I'm, I'm trying to go after who are going to go later than they should. And that are, you know, going to kind of fill fill a role on my team that would typically be an earlier pick. Yeah. Like that's the key for Scott Fishbowl, honestly, like, because, you know, so the, the, the problems that we're trying to solve include, you can't trade. There's no trade, not just in the draft, but at all, there's no, there's no trading. Uh, there are, there's a third round reversal. There's a ton of premiums in the set. You know, it's very unique scoring. Um, but there's also the fact that you're playing against, uh, what's it going to be this year? Like 5,000 people, probably something like that. Like it just keeps growing and, and you know, it's, it's so difficult to set yourself apart, especially, you know, kind of early in the draft. It's like there, there are going to be about a hundred different people who have Pat Mahomes. There are going to be a hundred different people who have Josh Allen. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, where can you create those advantages in it, it? It, you know, we're, we're really kind of looking for Brees Hall last year, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, it was, you know, those, those guys who, uh, 
and and there's i think there's probably some luck involved but you know spending sure. some time doing these evaluations and and um you know kind of putting together some rankings and tiering them and you know that like that prep is really kind of what what's going to make the difference and it's going to it's also just going to be the in-season management you know so yeah. um it's it, like this thing really kind of starts about halfway through the draft eh, maybe like a, a a quarter of the way through the draft that's where you really start to build advantages and then and then it you know it's a waiver wire from there and yeah. making good decisions setting your lineup as well but um that's the thing i you know i think a lot of people are going to be thinking about you know who who are the top end quarterbacks that I want to get to? Um, I've already I already kind of fell into this as well. To me, the top two tiers, like like Mahomes, is kind of in his own tier. The next tier is about five guys for me. So I took one oh six because I'll get one of the you know one of the six guys that I've kind of identified as being elite and. You know, I think a lot of people are thinking in that in those terms, thinking about that first pick and thinking about, you know, maybe the first couple rounds even, mm -hmm. um, but not nearly enough people thinking, you know, kind of like sixth round and beyond. Like it kind of sounds like and it sounds like that's where you really kind of made your you, you know, created your advantage last year. At least that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it was interesting because like thinking back to last year, I remember also, uh, it, and, you know, just thinking about the players I named, I also had Waddle and Stefan Diggs, I think both fall to me. So it was like people kind of fell into, I think the rookies, which they, which happens a lot in Scott Fishbowl because we have a lot of dynasty players. We have a lot of, you know, it's just a very uh, eclectic group of, of players. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that you make a lot of your bones just kind of sitting there in those, and like you said, in those was like six to, to 10 rounds or, or whatever. But like, you know, Marquise Brown this year is going to be in that range. It's going to be the Deontay Johnson. It's going to be the Calvin Ridley's. It's going to be all those kind of players who have a, like really immense upside, but we're just kind of discounting them, you know, because of last year, because of injury, because of whatever the kind of, you know, gambling concerns are, were. So yeah, your bones are definitely kind of made in that area, but yeah, I mean, I'll throw all the names out. I don't really care. I mean, David Njoku, I think that in this format is a great one. He's going to go far too late. And I think the premiums like one seven, five, at least on, on the tight ends. And he's a guy who could easily pop up into that top five area with, you know, another off season with Deshaun Watson and the whole team kind of coming together and developing. So I, I, I like those kind of players. And again, I think if you just listen to all the players I'm talking about, they're all players who kind of have fallen in value, but maybe shouldn't have fallen that far. And, and like, that is definitely part of one of the main parts of my strategy. And I've found pretty good success in doing it. And if nothing else, what I think is also a really good strategy. And I've, I've done this recently is go like right after the startup, I'll go back to the startup and I'll look and I'll say, what are some players that I got that like, you know, either I'm not super high on, or I think that I'd like to move off of can I move them for something that went earlier in the draft? Cause a lot of people don't realize that when they're making trades after the draft, that they're just like, they could, you know, they could have drafted a whole different player in the draft and avoid this whole trade that they're making and giving up some value. But like, I went and looked and I'm like, Oh yeah, I got like this real late. Let me go get 
I, I think I traded like two late first for DJ Moore or, or a late first and a second and a second for DJ Moore. And I had gotten both those picks in the draft way later than DJ Moore. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I just used that as a baseline for my like, all right, yeah, this is going to be a massive gain in value for me at the very least in this mm-hmm. league. You know? And so I think, th- th- you know, this is not Scott Fishbowl, but these are just ways to kind of take advantage of value. And that's yeah. how I look at value. Yeah. I love that. I mean, we, we were going to get back to dynasty anyways, <laughs> dynasty league, football.com dynasty, uh, dynasty football f- uh, factory. You worked there. How man. did Come I forget on. that? <laughs> like they gave me my start. MG gave me my start. How did I forget? Uh, that is pathetic. That's absolute. I like, I just got ahead MG, of myself. I love the shout out. Shout yeah. out. MG. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but yeah, like, like I, I do want to get back to Dynasty though. Like this is a this is ultimately a, a Dynasty focused podcast, and I'm curious how your strategy for Dynasty Superflex startups, what has been different this year from previous years? The main difference is 100% how I'm approaching the running backs. To be honest with you, because Last year, I think I drafted a lot of Saquon Barkley. He was, and and you'll see this all goes back to the same strategy. Last year, what Saquon Barkley was undervalued, right? Mm -hmm. He was going later than he should have. So I saw a pocket there where I found, okay, a top, in my opinion, like a top three scoring type running back is going too late. I can, I can draft one running back and he can hold down the fort and then I can, you know, get my second a little bit later, you know, and, and kind of mishmash it together and and kind of build on the other value elsewhere. And this year, I just don't see the, that value in any running back really. Even Brees Hall isn't getting discounted for the injury as much as I'd like. He's still going in like the top, I'd say what is the top three rounds of, of drafts. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I'm actually second. He I'm looking at bulletproof ADP right now. He's going at two of six, which is, yeah, which he's falling um, a little, but like, yeah, that's yeah, still not near to your point. That's not nearly enough for a running back coming off an ACL. Right. And so I'm, I'm looking for those, those pockets in value. And this year I don't see it with the running back. So my biggest difference is I'm avoiding the running back position at all costs. And I may like, I may shoot myself in the foot a little bit, but the teams I've constructed, I don't feel that way. I really feel good about about kind of how I've been able to fill the running back position on the teams that I, that I've drafted that way. So yeah, that's the biggest, that's the biggest difference this year is, is just, and I talked about this in a lot of the videos I dropped, I see, and it's all about the transition period. You know, you see these running backs and I think next year we're going to see another group of running backs come in and they're, you know, we're going to continue seeing this churn in the NFL, just like we like to churn in our dynasty leagues. Yep. And I just, I'm, I'm simply not willing to give up value for a year or two of a running back when I know I can get one much cheaper, most likely. And I can draft a guy, a wide receiver who is 26 years old, has you know six years left in his career in the league and is going to score points for a long time, have value be liquid asset and dynasty. Just like, it's just, it makes a lot more sense to me. And also I know that like, there's a whole to do about, um, how selecting wide receivers in like the mid and late rounds is, is like negative EV. And, and uh, if you're looking at like uh, value over replacement player, right. 
you know, we hear about that a lot, how like running backs have way more value over the replacement level running backs than wide receivers do. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, quickly, just that's basically uh, how many points over a waiver wire player they're getting essentially, right? right? The value over that replacement. So I did, I, I actually quickly did this because I just was interested and in I was like, like how big is really the difference like between the running back and wide receiver position in, in that, um, in that like 13 to 36 range or, you know, in the top eight, top 12 range, whatever it is. And 2020, uh, 2021 and 2022 <clears throat> wide receivers barely edged out running backs in, in the 13 to 36 range. So like from, you know, the, the players from the wide receivers in ranging from wide receiver 13 to 36 and running backs 13 to 13 to 36, they were about even, or the, the wide receivers had just an edge on them in, in terms of value over a replacement player. Mm-hmm. 2020 or sorry, that was 2020 and 2021. And then 2022, it just completely flipped over to running backs. And they're projected to do the same thing for 23. But my whole point in looking at it and talking about this is that I think it's it's really overplayed how much different, you know, or how much greater the value is of these running backs kind of in the mid to late rounds. Like there is an advantage to it for sure right now, especially. I think, again, it has a little bit to do with maybe the quarterback transition period in, in the NFL, we're seeing some of the greatest quarterbacks, some of the best quarterbacks decline, go out. We're seeing a new crop try to take over. Still questions about Justin Fields, still questions about this, that, and the other, you know. And I'm wondering if that's impacted the wide receiver position a little bit, plus the wide receiver position also, you know, the the age guys that we've all known and loved. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a bunch of new guys come in. So um, there, there's some reasons for it one way or another the numbers just kind of bear out. It's, it's really close. So I'm, I'm saying that because I think a lot of people, when they're like, you're avoiding running backs, they're way more valuable. They're, they're not that much more valuable where you have to go and get them and avoid wide receivers that have a ton of value and longevity. You just don't, you don't have to play it that way. Right. Yeah. That's sorry to be long winded. I apologize. (laughs) No, no, that's, that's why. uh, I mean, I've, I've done that to you how many times so far? (laughs) Like this is in it. You're the guest here. You're supposed to be the one talking. Um, (laughs) but like, yeah, I mean, I, like, I think that that's always kind of been, um, been the case, right? Like I, and uh, man, I've tried to prove like what I was really kind of looking at is, um, you know, the, just kind of the overall running back position, the scoring versus the wide receiver position. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what we've, what we've really kind of been finding out, it's, it's not that, uh, that running backs, you know, necessarily score better than wide receivers on a weekly basis. Um, it's, it's the volatility. And, and to me, that's, that's kind of why I prioritize running backs. It's the fact Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's, it's just so much harder to figure out, you know, if you want to, if you want to bucket like the top 36 at both positions, uh, it, it, you can pretty easily do that at wide receiver, right? Like you can, you, you could rattle off the top 36 wide receivers and feel pretty confident with that running back. I mean, you'll probably get, I don't know, five or six and then you're going to be like, all right, so now who the hell else goes in this thing? So to me, that's kind of the reason to prioritize it. But like in terms of scoring, um, I, and this is, this is, this is really pretty interesting. Cause like I said, I mean, I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, looking at running back scoring versus wide receiver scoring, just kind of as a position group. 
um, and didn't really it didn't really think about the fact that I'm not noticing much of a difference, uh, particularly in in uh, um, you know versus replacement, like you're talking about um, at those positions. But yeah, like. And and I assume you're you're talking points per game too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which like, which I mean, that's kind of the way that you have to do it. But like, the reality is, um, you know, to your point, like if you if you look at total scoring, the mm-hmm. wide receivers are going to blow the running backs away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, like, the, there there needs to be that need that does need to be uh, accounted for a little bit. Um, when we're talking about dynasty, you know, the fact that these running backs, like not only are you only getting some of these guys for a year, some of them, you're not even getting that. Like you're getting a handful right. of games, <clears throat> you know, you, you, yeah, and, and you're talking about like, again, you're, you're right overall, like the wide receivers in a typical year mm-hmm. outscore running backs, but at the top end, a lot of the time you see, you know, the top, five to eight running backs can outscore the top end wide receivers. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand prioritizing running backs in that range. And that's why I was saying, if I can find a running back that I can get either at what I think is value in the draft, right. If, if, if uh, like if a Jonathan Taylor is going to fall to my, to the turn or something like that, like, or, you know, especially a Brees Hall, like that's happened, you know, I've seen a couple of people take him at 111. Like that stuff makes sense. I can understand doing that, especially if you're going to come back around and get like a, a top end quarterback. Like I can understand prioritizing a running back like that, mm-hmm. but only like that for me. Like I just can't prioritize guys outside of that top range because like you said, like, I, I mean, you can't predict the top 36 running backs, but you can likely you can predict the top guys, I think, you know, from a year to year basis. And, and I don't, and for dynasty, like, I don't like to have to hold the bag on these guys because I think it is a year to year type position group. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back to kind of just like your own personal strategy and like you you know at the top you you were talking about how you've really kind of shifted from rookies to just kind of like overall strategy what have been kind of some tent poles that you're that you've been uh focused on since you made that shift from uh from rookies um you know kind of some some uh um some some you know strong focuses uh when it comes to strategy yeah, I mean, uh, I, in terms of, I mean, I think most of it has definitely been on, on just kind of startups and maneuvering through those right now because that's what everybody's doing. But yeah. also, I think a lot of what we've been talking about on like Dynasty Underdog, and and what I've been thinking about are more kind of like off season things that you can do because you can get content and just like vibe out with your team. Like, you know, my team's great. Like, this is awesome. But, you know, a lot of like the strategy in Dynasty is, is taking advantage of those edges that people aren't taking advantage of. And some of that is sending out like sending out trade offers often, but only to improve your team. And that's a big, big caveat. Like, I don't like trading just to trade. I'm not like 
I love the trade addicts guys. I really do. I love them, but I'm, I'm not like, I trade a lot, but I'm not, I don't trade like that. Like they, a lot of the times they just like to trade and like, that's not really me. I, like, and I have MGs like that and I'll call them out here. I call them out everywhere else. He just <laughs> loves to trade. And I, and we don't, we don't trade much because he loves to. And I just, I'm like, no, I want to make a good deal for my team. And so, um, but one thing I talk about a lot is, is making like three to four offers a week and just, you know, it doesn't have to be in every league, but just like going out there, looking at your team and saying, how can I improve my team and -hmm. going and trying to get something done? Because if you keep pressing and keep doing stuff, like eventually you do get something done and it will, and it, you know, and it'll work out. Along those same lines, another thing I talked about a lot is going and looking through your league mates rosters and trying to familiarize yourself with like the kind of trades they make and what their rosters actually look like, because you're much more likely to get a deal done if you if you look at those things. So this this goes, I think, a little bit into like game theory and strategy, right, in, in terms of like how to how to kind of maneuver around your league finesse your league mates and and try to get the most value you can during the non-point scoring season yeah man how far do you how far do you go with that when you're looking at uh league member tendencies so uh, like just to just to kind of add some context here after the episode with tommy blair he freaking dms me on discord with this like this super long like essay where he had gone through all my, all of my, uh, all of my leagues. I, I, I guess all the ones on MFL, I don't even know for sure, but like he saw how much I was bidding on, on players. And he was saying, you have this, this tendency to, uh, you know, to bid like these increments, like you use this exact number like you don't you don't mix it up (laughs) (laughs) investigator tommy in there with Uh, the magnifying glass yes (laughs) he was like if i know there's a player that you're going after on waivers i like i'm going to win them most of the time because i'm gonna bid 12 dollars, knowing that you're only gonna bid you're gonna bid 11 because that's just kind of what you do and like he had a bunch of things, you, you know, talking about trades, talking about how like I've kind of gotten tighter with uh, trading rookie picks over the last couple of years. I'm like, dude, how far back did you go? And like, <laughs> how much time did you spend? Like, this feels I mean, stalkerish, Tommy. That like <laughs> that is invaluable information though that he gathered. Right? Is it not? Like it is. Inv- yeah. It's 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 kind of amazing. You're like, oh wait, like I should know this about myself. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, to, to that point too, I think it's valuable to kind of do this for yourself. Right. I, I don't even know if we've talked about that or if you brought that up, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think that that's a great just takeaway from that is mm-hmm. forget your league mates maybe for a second. Do you know Start your own tendencies? You. Do you right. know your own tendencies? Right. So go ahead and just look at, take your two favorite leagues and go mm-hmm. look at your trade history, throw it into a spreadsheet, you know, copy paste it off MFL, throw it into a spreadsheet real quick and look at it. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't take long and it's actually not that hard. And you'll, there's a lot to be gained from, from looking at this information. <laughs> like you said, that right there, I mean, you can change your tendency on your, on your waiver bids. You can bid, you know, at least now, you know, you're like, maybe I won't always bid that increment. Maybe I'll bid a little off next time. Yeah. It was crazy, man. Like he, he even, there were a couple things that like he was saying that I do well and like, 
it's still just kind of the way he delivered it and the fact <laughs> that it was in this like this six sigma freaking audit uh it was like it really just kind of he even made my strengths sound like weaknesses like <laughs> like they're predictable somehow like it <laughs> It was, you were just you were just mad that he found out before you found out. That's what it was. That, you're that, like, wait, there's something wrong with this. Like, I should have known this. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I mean, that like he could make a whole podcast and do this for people if he's like that into it. Now, like, I don't go honestly. I don't go that in, in depth into it, but he's making me want to go a little bit more in depth into it, especially for myself, though. That's yeah. my takeaway from this is I think I'm hundred percent going to go back into like my two longest standing leagues, look back at that kind of stuff. Look at my waiver bids, see if there's any tendencies. That is just a massive, massive, uh, good piece of advice. But yeah. what I will say is, is definitely you could do the same thing for teams that you're actively trying to trade with. Like if you're like, Oh, I do want to go get this player or whatever you can go and and look at their, the same thing and say, you know, let's see the past 10 trades they've made and say, what do they typically like to trade for? What don't they like? Is it something that I can offer? And and that's, I think, a, a better way to get inside your opponent's head, especially with Dynasty. Sometimes it's not your friends. Like we all do, you know, not all of us, but some of us have a home league and we know our, our boys and like we know what to do. But sometimes you play with somebody from the UK, from Australia, you know, who you've never met. So these are this invaluable information to, to gather for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, this game is very similar to poker and kind of a lot of ways. But one of them is, you know, the the, you know, kind of playing the combinatrix and uh, but, you know, sometimes playing some combos and betting um, using a different betting pattern on a combo that you wouldn't necessarily even play, much less, you know, bet in a certain way. Um, just so that people don't pick up on those tendencies. And it, that's pretty important, I think, in fantasy football as well. Um, kind of one example is freaking Scott Connor. Like everybody thinks they've got him figured out. The portfolio approach just seems so, so, you know, so regimented, so structured. Um, it, but like, so we're in kitchen sink two together. Uh, which is uh, there's a Devi component to it. There's contracts. Um, there's uh, we we have auctions and um, like for, we've got several different auctions throughout the year. We've got restricted free agency. We have franchise tags. Like there's a lot that goes into it. It sounds it's, like a John Bosch league for sure. <laughs> it's Ryan. <laughs> it's Ryan McDowell. But I mean, it's kind of that the same idea, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, d- d- yeah two of the those two and scott fish like that's kind of the the commissioner uh mount rushmore but like yes so last year scott uh had like just made trade after trade until he had basically every rookie pick which then converts into uh into rookie dollars for the uh okay um for the auction and um, so first we thought we had him figured out there. So, all right, like, don't freaking trade all your picks to Scott because then he's going to hold the rookie draft auction. Uh, he's he hostage, you know, and, and then, um, and then we get into the auction and he starts trading that money away. <laughs> like he kind of just waited until it, 
it hit peak value and then he traded it away. And so we're like, all right, we're not letting him do that again. This year, somehow he ended up with like, we're doing that. We just started our Debbie auction and uh, you get a certain number of Debbie slots each, each season. Um, so, you know, number of players, Debbie players that you can hold on your taxi squad. And somehow he ended up with, like uh, 23 out of about 40 of them in the league. <laughs> and like by far, like I, there, there are three other people besides him who have any Debbie money and we can't compete with him on anyone. So like, <laughs> it was just kind of like, here we are, we're, we're ready for him when it comes to the rookie picks. We're like, you're not, you're not getting over on us this year, Scott. And Meanwhile, he's just like, he's picking up Debbie slots. He's picking up Debbie money. And we're just like, yeah, you can have my Debbie slots. You're just not going to get my rookie picks. Next thing you know, now he's got a monopoly on that too. And it's like, (laughs) where the hell did that come from? I even asked him in the chat. I was like, what? Like, I'll I'll trade you my Debbie money if you tell me what the hell you're up to. Because this is... Like you just basically turned this into a one, like a Devi league for one guy, and the rest of us just have rookies on taxi squad. So, yeah, we, but we had somebody do something similar to that in, in our underdog listener league or dynasty underdog listener league. Just took two two years in a row, all the first round picks somehow. Yeah, You're just like all right, <laughs> so nobody's gonna do anything. Like if you if you have a competing team. Good luck, man. You better win the win the championship this year because <laughs> he's got it all locked up after that. It's crazy. <laughs> yep. J Mike did that to me in Trade Attic Six. Uh, did the uh, J the J Mike open because he had <laughs> I like I think he took Jalen Waddle first overall just because he had all thirteen. Um, not because we we have the uh, the extra first round pick to the winner of the consolation bracket. So. He ended up yep. with all 13 first round picks. And so he could take them in what, whatever order he wanted. Like Trevor Lawrence ends up going like 10th overall, something like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you always, you always just, you always feel kind of dumb when, you know, like when their master plan finally just comes together and you're like, I not only allowed that to happen, but I really kind of contributed. Like I traded him my, first round pick and probably somebody else's as well like (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing i you know every now and then just kind of throwing in something like that that people are like wait what the where did that come from uh you know then you don't get that dm from tommy blair saying oh did you know that you do this every single time every single seat like this is this is how you behave all the time and it's predictable i i could see it coming and i know how to beat you at it like once i've got all the freaking devy money once i've got all the first round picks <laughs> then then let's see you try and predict what i'm doing yeah they have, then they have you know they have their uh, their foot on your throat and they and you can't do anything about it man like they control their own destiny and that's it's it is a great strategy to be able to do that for sure to be able to like, I think that is the ultimate way to rebuild or to do the productive struggle. Like if you're going to do it, like, and I say, I, I, this is one of the things I used to say all the time going back to strategy. <clears throat> and I think this is like a, like dynasty one one kind of thing mm-hmm. is like, the 
lane. You can't sit in the middle. You either you either are a contender or you suck. You are the worst. And the people like I have a friend who came in and took over a, an orphan league, his like first ever dynasty, and he blew the thing up like you'd never seen it. That's how he got back into contention fast and has like a bunch of stud players all of a sudden. And I, and again, like the team in our underdog was really the rest of the league is like DMing me. How do we let this happen? Like, we can't let this happen again, man. Like this is ridiculous. And it's, you know, that's the way to do it. You have to pick a lane because when you do that, you're either, you, you, you are most of the time going to be able to execute your strategy because you're going to have enough assets to do what you need to do. Like if you're going to be a contender, you're going to have enough points on your team. If you go all the way, um, if you're going to rebuild, you're going to have enough assets like that you hold everybody hostage in the draft you can trade them for almost whatever you want and really rebuild your team like that so i i do think that's the way to do it you got to pick a lane yeah man like so that's a really good way in in it's kind of time um really good way to wrap the episode but i i do want to uh because i'm kind of springing this on you that we're that we're going to uh to wrap up here um, so I do want to see if you have any other words of wisdom just to kind of um, hold people over until the next time you come steaming back into the super show. <laughs> uh, any more words of wisdom? Um, yeah, like this is this isn't like anything too deep necessarily, but uh, I think something a lot of people overlook in the offseason, something that I've been trying to do more is is going after second round picks. Just like it, it's hmm. it's a really simple idea, um, but future second round picks, not this year necessarily, future second round picks, because most people like to throw those in as if they're almost nothing on a deal to kind of sweeten it, get it done. And obviously I'm always looking for kind of moving off a player and getting, you know, something similar plus and that being a second. And I think, you know, this year you've seen how valuable seconds have become just they're they're kind of a really useful tool to move around in your rookie drafts to you know you see a lot of decent players fall into that area um and they're just undervalued undervalued a year early uh, and i i think much more than like the first which have that first on them and they have the you know stigma nobody wants to get rid of their first so uh i think that's just a big uh, a big part of the game you know that that i think people overlook in in the offseason is going after those specific picks that's one that I've been coming around a lot on lately. I like that one a lot. And the other thing that I've kind of noticed over the years is like you can package those, those second round picks. I mean, first of all, you know, talked about this with Matt Hicks, but a lot of times, you know, a, a tier of rookies is really going to kind of straddle the first mm -hmm. and second round. It's not that, uh, that the players in the second round just automatically just drop off and stop being first round value. Like that's rarely the case um, that, that the tier break occurs right after one twelve. You know? <laughs> right. Like, right. That, it's that's... just an arbitrary break because we have 12 people in the league. Like it's right. not actually, exactly. yeah. <laughs> like they get worse <laughs> because they're 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the NFL where oh, mm -hmm. he didn't get first round draft capital, so now he sucks. It's like it, like you don't get to decide that in your dynasty leagues. I'm sorry to say. Uh draft them whenever the hell and it, it it has no impact on how they're going to perform. But anyways, yeah, like it, it's it you know, those tiers really do kind of stretch into the 
early second round, the more of those second round picks you trade for, the more uh, the more shots you've got at getting back into that tier and getting some more, you know, usable, startable players. But the other thing that I've noticed is kind of regardless of where the second round picks are, you can package those and they go a long ways. You put two second round picks together and like, that'll get you first. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Like that'll get you back Two first round or two second round picks will typically get you back into the first round. Um, and get you a player equivalent of like a mid first round pick a lot of times. Um, whereas, I mean, try and trade two third round picks like 301 and 302. It, it'll get you up to like 211, <laughs> 212. Like, <laughs> right, right, like, right. Somewhere like, where you don't want to move up to really. Like, right. right. Yeah. There's kind of kind of no real point to it anyways. But like, but yeah, those those second round picks end up having some really sneaky uh trade power and again like some very usable players in that range so i like that one a lot that's that's become a little bit of a theme on the super show lately as well those second round picks those are going to be targets of ours and i just i want to give you one more because i'm feeling generous one more piece of wisdom right do it so this might be like a little this is something i've been thinking about a lot Uh, i forgot whose thread i saw that kind of made me think about this first but just one of the the main like tenant I can start with is like, know your hit rates. Right. And Mm -hmm. I say that because they're super important. That's, that's one reason, but I think like, you know, one of the big things that triggered this in my mind was kind of in my head, I have a really good idea of the things that matter in terms of a player's profile, you know, based on each position, it's really valuable to have those things kind of locked in your memory and locked in your mind. And I, Again, I, I I think I've said a couple like simple things in terms of like strategy and dynasty theory, but this is like, it's just a, a, I think it's helped me a lot understanding like when I'm making decisions in, in trades and stuff like that, being able to kind of settle myself down and say, okay, like in terms of rookies, like if I'm making a trade between rookies, okay, hit rate. Okay. What are the, you know, the metrics I'm looking at, whether it's, you know, I, I, whether you like yards per team pass attempt or whatever, all your, you know, the little metrics, but having kind of a way to build a profile in your mind based on kind of facts, like it's just, I don't feel like everybody has those in their minds when they're making trades. And I think boiling it down and knowing your hit rates is is an easy way to do it because that's one of the big data points that is super impactful in dynasty for rookies. Like it has a lot of impact on their future success. So if you don't know that basic information, you're a very far step behind your, a lot of your competition just in the rookie draft alone. So it's, it's it, that's like super valuable information to memorize in a way. That's, that's just, you know, me. Yeah, no, I like that one a lot, a lot too. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, it's, it just kind of, uh, you know, it, 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 it drives values of those rookie picks way beyond where they, they really should be sometimes. So that's another great one. Like we picked up a bunch of, of little nuggets here along the way. But like I said, I mean, part of the goal was to leave some stuff hanging out there so that when you come back, we've got uh, even more to talk about. So um, now feels like a good time to wrap up uh, just to make sure that we that we do save some material for next time. But um, if you think you can defeat him, you're dreaming steaming billy beaming 
appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. Dude, and, uh, your, your energy, man. Like I, I just, nobody matches it. I have to say that before I get out of here, I really do. Sorry to cut you off, but no, you're I've committed. been listening to you for a long time. Probably, you know, I feel like before I started even creating content years ago, but the energy is infectious, dude. Like I wish I had more of it on my pod. Like I wish, but it's so organic and it's just so like, I look forward to the intro every time. So I, I (laughs) I just, I really mean that dude. Like I love what you do with the show. So I'm I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate it. That means a lot. Uh, We've had a mutual admiration society going for a while. So uh, (laughs) great to, to, uh, to get to meet you and, and get to talk. And like I said, it won't be the last time. Um, but yeah, definitely appreciate it. Uh, the kind words, um, the intro is always, is always fun, but it really just kind of is a, a precursor of things to come. And to me, this is an episode that, uh, that lived up to, uh, the energy that we started off with a lot of really good stuff. So thank you again for your time, Billy. Uh, we'll do it again very soon. Uh, he's at dynasty football factory. You do, w- what all do you do there? You write, you write, I mean, Dude, you I am a co-owner part, part owner. analyst. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I do all, the whole nine yards. So all my contents there, you know, and my DMS are open, hit me up. I'm, I'm here to help man. Nice. Plus the dynasty football factory, YouTube channel, and then dynasty. Underdog. Yes. Get on yes. There. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those are, those that's the future right there. So, uh, you're going to start getting way more content, uh, way more analysis on YouTube. Um, I just, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like going on camera. (laughs) I just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't love it either, but honestly, I do a lot of editing. Um, I've, I've always edited voice. I edit the podcast and I edit most of the videos and all my videos. So it's, I've had a lot of fun with it. It's so it's, it's just fun to me and it's kind of passion yeah. of mine. Yeah. 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 No, it it is. It's a lot of fun. But the other problem is every time I go live, um, I, like I need to get into more shorter form, I think, because I go yeah. live and thinking, all right, I'm just going to do an ask me anything here, probably go like an hour, hour and a half. Like <laughs> I typically do on the podcast. It's the same freaking guys over and over asking you question after question. And and I have I, I love it when my super friends are asking me uh you know important questions that's kind of on everybody's mind. Everybody's wondering mm-hmm. about this. But you always get that one smart ass who's just like asking you kind of basic questions that like it's like you know the answer to this like you're just trying to keep me talking here because you want to see you want to see if i'm just like ultimately just gonna pass out like i'm just gonna like how long can he go for marathon (laughs) marathon ama for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's see if we can get this guy to freaking keel over like i'm pretty sure that's what they do so uh so yeah i kind of stopped doing those (laughs) super flex super fridays for that the sh- reason the but... shorter ones are where they're at brother shorter yep. ones are where they're at yep, yep. <laughs> definitely so yeah those are available at dynasty the dynasty football factory youtube channel uh the dynasty underdog podcast um rankings and articles and everything over at dff so uh, all kinds of good stuff billy thanks again for coming on man let's wrap it up for the week and as we do that I'm going to ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast. 
rate and review the podcast. Help me to get out to more people and uh, really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, my super friends. From there, you can also subscribe to the DLF Family Podcast. It's mega feed. You can hear the Superflex Super Show, among many, many other great podcasts, all the great podcasts from DLF. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to Billy Beeman for coming on and taking the time. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Oh, I